are tuned in to CFCR 90.5 FM and it's time for the nerdy news. It's Punch Radio. And in the studio today, we have Kathy and Brennan and Jody and Dave. And uh, partway through, we are gonna hear from Craig. He had the opportunity to interview John Allison about the Saskatoon Fantastic Film Festival. So that's awesome. We're gonna hear all about that. But first, Ghostbusters. Uh, bring us up to date on what's happening in the Ghostbusters Afterlife world, Kathy. Well, so Ghostbusters Afterlife is um, sort of Ghostbusters 4, but also more Ghostbusters 3. So they're going to kind of um, discount the girls' Ghostbusters that they did in 2016. And this is going to be more directly after the 1984 and the 1989 Ghostbusters. The original guys are all coming back, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, Sigourney Weaver, Annie Potts, Bill Murray, they're all gonna come back and reprise their own roles. Directed by Jason Reitman. It was supposed to come out March 5th, 2021. It's pushed back again to June 11th, 2021. So it's gonna be a while before we see this show, but still pretty pumped about it. One of the things I'm kind of excited to see is that it was filmed in Alberta, and Calgary, Bicycler, Crossfield, and Drumheller, I believe. So there might be places that we actually recognize as prairie people uh, in this movie. So pretty pipe pumped about that. They filmed between July and October of 2019. So anybody traveling in Alberta in that time? <laughs> we weren't, but that would be kind of neat get your car going through a movie or something like that, that would be kind of neat. This movie is supposed to be passing the torch to the next generation. So the original Ghostbusters crew is going to kind of sort of pass it off to the next generation of what they hope will be Ghostbusters. One thing I wasn't super pumped about is um, Mike from Stranger Things, who I find extremely annoying in Stranger Things, is going to be one of the main Ghostbuster kids in this movie. But we'll see. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, Paul Rudd is going to play a teacher who kind of oversees the kids. And I think that's going to be good. I think he'll be a good addition to the franchise. I'm looking forward to that part of it, at least. So Lego this week dropped the Ghostbusters vehicle, the Acto-1. Probably they were anticipating that the movie would be kind of out at this time, but it's not. But that's okay. This is going to kind of pump us up, I think. This isn't the first Ecto-1 that they've done. 2014, for the 30th anniversary, they did a small Ecto-1 that was minifigure sized. Um, it was super cute. They also did the fire hall that year, and I have both of those. Um, then in 2016, when they did the girls version, um, they re-released the Ecto-1 and the Ecto-2 from that movie. Um, so this Ecto-1 isn't gonna be minifigure sized. It's actually more three and three quarter figure sized. It's big, Ooh. like ultimate collector series, big Ghostbuster car. One of the cool things about it is it's the original car, but 30 some years later. And so they've given uh, rust stickers. Like you can apply rust to this vehicle to make it look old. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, it looks like still like the original vehicle, like the small little uh, Ghostbusters vehicle that I have um, from 2014. It looks pretty similar to that one. This vehicle has a couple of upgrades. It's got a gunner chair that comes out of this uh, backseat of the vehicle. 
it kind of looks Star Warsy. Mm. Ghosts from the gunner chair coming out of the side. Um, and there's also a remote trap that gets released from the back of the vehicle, kind of a little drone trap that they can maneuver to catch the ghosts on the go. So I'm looking forward to it. That's two hundred and fifty nine ninety nine. Not cheap. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Lego this day these days is is not a kid's game. It's uh, you gotta have some dough to buy Lego these days. Well, I think if you think of it in terms of sculptural art, it's actually pretty cheap. Sure. <laughs> yeah. It's also it's it reusable. Yeah, it's a new toy every day. So, I mean, yeah. if you want to, you can take the pieces apart and make something else or adapt it, or you can do your own, like, crossovers, right? Yeah, you bet. It's pretty dope. Lego's never never been a, a truly cheap toy. Um, it was just something that was so good, and you got so much time out of playing with it that it, it was worth the money, even back when, you know, when we were kids. Like, it was never a cheap toy, but per hour of enjoyment. Yes, because it's the value is there in that it lasts forever. So, you know, it would get passed on from sibling to sibling and then you yeah. know, generation to generation. I played with a ton of Lego that was like old when I got it and you know, it didn't hinder my enjoyment of it any. Yeah, you have to try really hard to break a hunk of Lego. Yeah, I always wonder, like, post-apocalyptic movies, when they're talking about, you know, yeah. they show the future, and everything's blown up, and everybody's using, like, wooden bowls and, and old glass jars to cook out of and stuff. Like, where'd all the Lego go? It's got to be still around. Like, why is nobody using Lego still? Good point. Um, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I, I'm excited to see this new Ghostbusters stuff. And I really hope that, like, it would be amazing if they would come out with a good Ghostbusters game. I got to give a shout out to the Commodore 64 Ghostbusters game. I played the hell out of that game. And basically the premise, you had a map and then, you know, paranormal events would happen. You'd go to those buildings, you would capture the ghost in the little container, and so you had to have containers. So you would buy containers with the money that you made from like solving these paranormal problems for people. And then the more money you made, the cooler stuff you could get. You could get the ecto all souped up with extra stuff like this booster seat thing that you were talking about. Oh yeah. So the game was like actually really great. And then it did have the huge climax where you had to like get past the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man into the building upstairs to like seal the portal. And great game. I really loved it. And I think, I mean, it was very lo-fi. It was kind of crappy graphics and all that because we're talking a long time ago. Uh, but uh, hey, and it, it, a reboot I think is due. Overdue. Way overdue. <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about another old movie that actually had good toys and I think some decent gaming. Brennan, why are we talking about RoboCop today? We are talking about RoboCop because I came across it on Netflix and I thought, you know, I haven't watched RoboCop in a long time. Now here's the thing, when I was a kid, I remember this big movie had come out and it was called RoboCop and it was a big deal and everyone kept talking about it. And around the same time, there was another big movie that was called Big, starring Tom Hanks. And I really wanted to see these movies. 
And so my dad said, when we buy our first VCR, just to age myself a little bit, I will, I will let you rent Robocop and Big. I'm like, okay. And so true to his word, we finally got our first VCR and I got to rent them. And they became my favorite movies of all time for years and years and years, which I realize on the spectrum of movies, they're quite different. Um, but I love them both. And I think even now, when I think of other movies I like, these two, Big and Robocop, kind of shaped my, my taste coming later on. So I saw it on Netflix. I'm like, I'm going to watch it. So I turned it on and the opening scene starts. And I'm like, wow, the, the graphics are way better than I remember. And I'm thinking, did it start like this? And then it took me about three minutes to realize, oh wait, this isn't actually the original Robocop. It must be a reboot. And so I looked it up and true enough, it was another Robocop from 2014. And now I'm already invested. So I watched the reboot one and I'm thinking, you know, I wonder how it compares to the original because I really haven't watched the original probably since 1987. So I taught myself how to rent it on Google Play, which I realize everyone else knows how to do, but I haven't done it until this weekend. So look at me catching up with technology. And I rewatched the original 1987 Paul Verhoeven Robocop starring uh, Peter Weller, uh, Nancy Allen, and Kirkwood Smith. And if you've never seen the original Robocop, go watch it. It's, it's really, really good. The, the premise, if you don't know, is that it takes place in a crime-ridden Detroit in the near future, and police officer Alex Murphy is killed by some crooks, and he's constructed into Robocop. So there's this company called uh, Omnicore that makes, they, they make military machines that they think can help patrol the streets better than people, but people don't trust machines. So they said, well, if we can put a person into a machine, it'd be the best of both worlds. And then during the course of the movie, Robocop has to figure out who am I? I'm a robot, I'm a, I'm a machine. Part of the groundbreaking thing of it, it, when you hear the premise, it just sounds like your run-of-the-mill genre action movie, but it had amazing action sequences. It was super gory for a mainstream American movie. Like it was quite shocking when it came out. And it's quite funny at time and quite, campy. I don't mean campy in a cheesy kind of way, but, you know, just having some humor and things in it. And it was such an unexpected success that it spawned its own television series, uh, two sequels, uh, animated shows, toys, th video games, the, the whole thing. It was even, and I didn't know this until I did some research, uh, it was nominated for five Saturn Awards, two BAFTA Awards, and it actually won an um, Academy Award uh, for best sound effects editing and was nominated for best film editing and best sound. It was quite the big deal. And when you watch the original Robocop compared to the new one, what you re what really stands out to me is Peter Wheeler as, or Peter Weller, not Peter Wheeler, Peter Weller as, as Robocop and how he plays his part very robotically, but how he can convey such emotion when he's trying to figure out uh, who he is. I also like that the original Robocop is focused so much through his perspective. It's kind of like one Robocop against the world. Whereas with the remake, they've added some new characters. There's a whole subplot with his wife and kid. And you hear a lot of people talking about Robocop and kind of putting their projection of what they think he's like. Now there's still him trying to figure out who he is, but there's all these other influences where the first one, the story is just, is smaller, but on the same token, it's almost more complex. Even rewatch as a kid, but spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it since 1987, your fault. But spoiler alert, one of the bad guys, his, his van drives into a thing of toxic waste 
and he comes out and he's, he's melting. And like to this day, that's the one scene I can remember vividly and rewatching it now as an adult, it's still disturbing, you know, with all the practical effects and how well they, they did it. It's, it's really effective. And seeing Kurtwood Smith, who is known as the dad from that 70s show, he is the main gangster bad guy and he's badass. Like it's funny seeing him in that role. So really check it out. The 2014 one is a bit more glossy in things. It has Gary Oldman, Samuel Jackson, uh, Michael Keaton. So a huge cast. And I think they were hoping this was going to be like the reboot of reboots. And if you'd never seen the original Robocop, you'd be like, oh, all right, it's, it's decent. It just doesn't have the, the heart or like the tonal complexity of, of the original one. Robocop then went on to do Robocop 2 and 3. Robocop 2 was written by Frank Miller. Um, since he was hot off the press with The Dark Knight Returns. However, they said the script was unshootable and they kept making him water it down and water it down and water it down to the point where I heard that Frank Miller almost, like he disassociated himself from the screenplay. Someone once told me he said he wanted his name off the screenplay. I couldn't find that anywhere, but he did hold it at an arm's length. And then uh, quite recently, he actually did a comic version of his script. I think it was a, a nine series version of his RoboCop script and what he would like it to be. RoboCop 2 wasn't received as well because the whole point of RoboCop is he's trying to figure out, he kind of regains his humanity at the end. RoboCop 2, he just is a cop going around and shooting things. So the whole point of the first one was kind of done away with. RoboCop 3 comes along, Frank Miller comes again, writes a screenplay, and it was a huge flop. It barely made back half of his money and kind of killed the franchise. So that's RoboCop in, in sort of a big nutshell. Um, I discovered that RoboCop 2 and 3 is also on Google Play, so I might go watch both ones <laughs> two this week, make it a whole little uh, retro thing. There was an announcement of doing a direct sequel to RoboCop uh, starting last year, so whether or not it's going to happen or not, who knows. But like I said, it was just sort of a happy accident that I, I came across it. And in a weird way, this quirky, violent, gory movie made me nostalgic for my childhood. So there you go. That's, what, you know, what's, what's better than that? Nothing. Nothing is better than that. Okay, well, we're going to uh, let Craig take over and tell us about the awesome Saskatoon Fantastic Film Festival, which is coming up uh, at the end of this month. It's November 23rd to 28th. And he got to talk to uh, coordinator John Allison about it. So take it away, Craig. This is Craig Silliphant for Punch Radio, and I am here virtually, I guess, with festival director John Allison of the Saskatoon Fantastic Film Festival, which is now, correct me if I'm wrong, John, but in our 11th year now, is that right? Yep, 11th year. Yeah. 11th year. So we're going to, I'm just going to say this up front, we're going to avoid talking about most of the films, but if you stay tuned to CFCR for the show After Punch, Real to Real, uh, Scott and Tyler and the gang are going to go through the movies and talk more about them. So if you want to hear more about the specifics of the movies, you can listen to Real to Real, or for more information on the festival, you can go to skfilmfest.com. Well, first off, John, let's get the elephant in the room out of the way. How is the festival dealing uh, with COVID this year? Uh, well, we're basically taking every precaution necessary. Uh, we're running under the government guidelines, plus prior to the changes that just like happened and stuff, uh, we were actually above and beyond the guidelines. Uh, so like originally right. the theater was like 
like masks are required, even though they weren't required. Now we're at the stage where they're required, so we're kind of back par on par uh, and everything. But uh, so what we're doing is uh, required masks. We cut back the number of screenings. We spread them out uh, so there's time to get in and clean up in between screenings. Uh, we also, the theater itself has set up uh, when you come in and buy your ticket, or if you have your pass, whatever, when you stop by the box office, you check off a seat and it's assigned seating. So you don't do it like online assigned seating, but they have a little diagram which you fill out. And then they're actually using that diagram to go through after and clean up after the screening. So we can do it very quickly, keep things clean, keep things uh, sanitary and that, uh, make it so that things just work really well uh, and that. And we're unfortunately like some of the stuff we, we had to drop a couple things uh, and that like we had to drop um, the car all, all you can eat cartoon party right uh, and that uh, we also decided to drop drunken cinema this year uh, but those two just seemed like this would be impossible to actually have social distancing uh, for two very different reasons but it was like yeah this ain't gonna be safe and, and that and we should mention too, uh, I don't think I said this, but your the festival takes place at the Broadway Theater. They're your uh, partner in this thing. Yep. Um, so, I mean, was there a fear that you weren't going to be able to do it this year? There is still a fear <laughs> that we aren't going to do it this year. Uh, that like uh, day by day, it's kind of like as numbers go up uh, and like, like talking with Scott, the programmer at the the theater, uh, and the, and everything. We I'm, I've been upfront where like I'm totally comfortable if we have to shut this down. I like we shut it down, uh, and that like it has to be something that's safe, uh, that we can do and not not get more people sick, right? Uh, and that so like we've put everything in place to be as safe as possible, uh, and that if you are sick, we like I'd love you to come out, but don't. <laughs> yeah the type thing like it's just not it's not worth it to for you or for the other people we never thought for a second about going uh digital like right. i kind of like oh yeah we could do this and i'm like no <laughs> that's not what we're about yeah fair enough we're, we're about the community experience and and seeing movies and theaters and stuff like that so so COVID aside uh and i know you mentioned some of the stuff you can't do this year but uh is there anything uh, new this year or something you can do any special guests anything like that yeah we're well so this is the first year we're trying to do a bunch of zoom q and a's uh and that i we're actually um we were doing a screening of uh nail in a coffin on the 14th right so either that worked perfectly fine and we now know that we can do a zoom q and a and everything or it didn't and we're going to figure it out for the festival uh <laughs> but yeah we're 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 basically uh we're looping in uh the filmmakers from Paper Tigers, uh, Great Martial Arts film. Uh, we've been talking with Bio, uh, Violation, uh, the filmmakers there. We also uh, have been talking, we're doing two movies uh, from the same director uh, this year, which is, we've never done before. Uh, and that Bloodthirsty and Bleed With Me. Uh, Amelia Moses is a Toronto director uh, in that. And she has got two great movies. We're gonna loop her in. But tied with that, we're also bringing in, uh, he's driving out, uh, Michael Peterson. Uh, he's the producer for Bloodthirsty. Uh, and then on, on the afternoon, Thursday at one o'clock at the theater, we're gonna do a producer workshop. So we've invited like the media school, Devin Hardy, we're, we've invited Reyes, we're like anyone, it's open free, pr no charge and that. And it's about like a three hour, how to be a producer uh, and that. So it right. should be really cool on that. Uh, and then also, uh, our opening short film is the Ballad of Sharkosaurus, 
I've heard a rumor that we might have part of Sharkosaurus at the theater. Uh, <laughs> and that, uh, along with uh, the director, Spencer, Spencer Easterbrooks, uh, and that. So he's coming, coming out from Alberta, too, driving out. That. Nice. So, uh, like I said before, Scott and Tyler and Real to Real are going to go through the movies one by one. But I always like to ask you if I was, uh, if this was my first year going to the festival, uh, what would be, what would you say is the most accessible film? If I could only go to one film and I wanted to go, come down, you know, uh, what would be the most accessible film for somebody to see? The most accessible. Well, that's an interesting one because uh, we always try to push the boundaries and sure. stuff and everything. Um, if you were, I'll, I'll give you two kind of because it's such a wide range. Uh, so like right off the bat, if you just want something fun and you are a genre fan, so you don't mind splatter, you don't mind weird stuff going on screen, uh, our opening film, Cycle Gorman, really it's easy fun. So the one I was going to say for challenging violation on Saturday night, okay. uh, it's a hard movie to watch right. in that but it's really important, really, something really valuable to see. What, like, what's the most bonkers one? What's the one that you would be like, yeah, you, you can't miss this one if you really love this genre stuff because this one's bonkers. Either Get the Hell Out, uh, which is the Friday Midnight, and it's a Taiwanese uh, movie all about, in, in the real world, in real life, uh, a parliament member actually built, bit another parliament member in a fight at, in the Taiwan parliament. Right. That led to someone making the comment about, oh, it was like a zombie attack. Right. So they actually made that movie of the parliament turning into zombies. Right. Uh, and that. Uh, and then our closing film is Bloody Hell, uh, which is about um, a war vet who's in a bank. The bank gets robbed. He stops the robbery. Uh, things go a little bit bad. He gets arrested. He, but he becomes a celebrity because of it to Norway, gets kidnapped. Uh, by what I feel is like a family, a cross of the family from Hills of Eyes and uh, The Sound of Music. Right. And that, and it is bonkers uh, and everything. So that one's going to be a total blast. Cool. Well, uh, I, I say this every year and uh, I've, I think I've been interviewing you for 11 years now uh, mm -hmm. for the festival. Uh, but if you haven't been to the festival before, it's uh, like, like I said, I mean, go, I mean, go as many times as you can, but if you, if you really just want to see something unique, just choose something, go look on the website. You can watch the trailers, stuff like that. And like, you will see one of the most unique films you've seen this year and you may love it. You may not. There's films I've seen at the festival that I didn't love, but it was always a worthwhile experience to go see. And I think that's sort of what you guys are trying to program, right? Oh, totally. We try to hit that whole wide range. Uh, like what I didn't touch on was Dinner in America. Right. Uh, and that and that one is like a punk comedy, little drama uh, and everything movie that is very main. That not, well, it's, it's very, it's very played to a mainstream audience in right. that too. Like, so we have that wide range. Cool. All right. Well, uh, this has been John Allison, the festival director for the Saskatoon Fantastic Film Festival. Thank you so much, John. Thank you. So the festival runs from November 23rd to 28th. As I said, you can go to skfilmfest.com for more info. Stick around for more Punch Radio and listen to Reel to Reel to hear more about the festival and some of the other films. All right. Dave and I, uh, we're going to keep on this old-timey kick of the show. Um, I wanted a comfort movie recently, so we re-watched Slapshot for like the umpteenth time. I love this movie so much. came out in 1977. Of course, you know, it's got a great cast, amazing performances, but what really stands out to me is the script. It's written by Nancy Dowd, 
She did a ton of stuff in the 70s and 80s, and a lot of times she was uncredited, uh, probably because she was a lady, and that wasn't kind of cool at the time. But her stories, uh, you they have a feel. They always have really well-written female characters, and they often have a perspective on sports or war or whatever that are pretty much boys club things, and she's got a whole new um, perception on it, and they're great. Yeah, if you haven't seen Slapshot for a long time, I think like it's really ripe for a reviewing, and, and to kind of like watch it through a feminine perspective is not something you would think of doing when you think of like the cover of or the thumbnail of that movie um, because the first thing you're going to think of is like the Hanson brothers and Paul Newman and Michael Onkian and all the crazy characters on on the um, on the chiefs but there are at least four really good female parts in that movie. Uh, a couple of them, well, three of them are like the wives of the players, but it, it, it's like, I think I probably saw this movie at least a dozen times before it clicked that it was written by a woman. And then so much about it made sense. Yep. Was that like to understand minor league hockey this way, you would almost have to experience it as like a hockey mom or as like a hockey sister, which is what Nancy Dowd was because her, her brother, I think, played like semi-pro or minor league hockey or something like that. In addition to Slapshot, I mean, she did some other great stuff. Uh, she wrote for Saturday Night Live. Uh, she was uncredited for her work on the script for Ordinary People, which cleaned up at the Oscars. Uh, North Dallas 40. And we just recently watched Straight Time, which was a movie from 78 with Dustin Hoffman about a guy who gets out of prison. And it's like, okay, how do you adjust to straight life and I'd never seen it and it it was really good and he's a tough guy Dustin Hoffman is awesome and have, it's well written I have no idea how this movie escaped our like film buff household for so long Dustin Hoffman Gary Busey Harry Dean Stanton M. Emmett Walsh and Kathy Bates yeah, it's like, it's it's kind of a heist movie. It's got some Dog Day Afternoon moments in it. And yeah, you don't think of Dustin Hoffman as a tough guy, uh, but he he really, he pulls it off. Like there, there's some scenes in this film where the Gary Busey character is terrified of Dustin Hoffman and you completely buy it. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, we also just watched Coming Home, which was also great. Uh, again, it's basically a guy comes home from... Vietnam the, the Vietnam vet movie yeah yeah and it's sort of like his wife and their relationship and Jane Fonda is in it and John Voight Bruce Dern really really good yeah check out the movies of Nancy Dowd just go to the IMDb and search her and you're not going to be sorry some of them are a little schmaltzy but like the dialogue is so real and great and they always get good performances and I think that that's an a testament to how good the script was. Yeah, we always we always hear about uh, male writers have a hard having a hard time writing parts for women, but we don't very often talk about how many great parts for men have been written by women. There you go. All right, that wraps up another episode of Punch Radio. Thanks for tuning in, and we will yak at you again in seven days' time here on CFCR Radio ninety point five FM. Thank you.